Hello, and welcome to episode 39 of Modulation. This is a music discovery podcast. Each fortnight, we delve into the latest music releases and handpick our favorites to recommend and discuss. On this episode, we'll be discussing Glass Beach's new album, Plastic Death, the new album from Noll, As Spoken, Krizin Dazedo's latest project, Accelero, and the new album from Hoplite's Paraminomini. You may wish to listen to the albums yourselves before hearing us talk about them. You can find a full list on our website. We also have a Discord server you can join for the latest episode updates. Link to both in the episode description. My name is Harry, and I'm joined on the mic by Evan and Bound. Hello. It's the oh. first episode back for 2024. It's very exciting. I mean, I, I feel like we've spoken about this a lot before, but start of January is always a very interesting time for, for music releases. So I'm always really excited to see what, what we end up picking out from, from the start of the year. Yeah, yeah it and was it was very much a, a we regret uh, having a week off and uh, yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and adding an extra week of releases to stick in here because um, I think we've, you know, we've had to cut a significant number of releases from the shout outs alone, like, let, let alone just going into the main one. And after the, uh, the sort of, you know, the endurance required to review 40 albums for album of the year, uh, I think sort of we wanted to cut it down a little bit more if possible. Um, I guess on that note, let's uh, let's just dive straight in. Uh, so my first shout out is a uh, a first of Jan classic. Uh, I want to talk about Audrey's uh, new album, Vampiric Premonitions. Um, I mean, we talked about Audrey enough on the albums of the year. If you haven't listened to that, please do. We we go into significant detail about the twenty twenty three back catalog and. As expected, uh, another banger slowcore release to start the year off. Um, I really like this one. I don't think it's you know I don't I don't love it as much as as some of their uh, their, their best work, but I think it's really really solid and um, just incredibly deep. There is so much to pull apart from this release. Uh, so yeah, I expect I'll be going back through this one uh, in the couple, next couple of months. It's it's not as long as some of those other ones so it's maybe a little bit more accessible if you're looking to get into weirdo uh experimental rock from the internet uh so yeah uh, i definitely recommend it yeah absolutely i think this is this is a pretty like pretty pretty standout ordinary release in terms of uh the average quality i think this is one of one of the best uh in this sort of style yeah no i really like this one I didn't listen to it. I'm I'm Audrey pilled, but only to the only to the degree only to the degree where it's like you two will tell me to listen to something and then I'll check it out, and that's mm-hmm. that's about it. So yeah, so uh, I will check this, this one's one. Definitely out. what definitely worth checking out in terms of yeah. I, I think there there are some other ones from the end of last year that are really sick, but this is probably one I'd recommend more than those, even if I maybe like those records a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I don't know. This record feels a little more complete and a little less chaotic compared to something like tundra service which i did also really like i will uh, just throw in that this is not the only album that audrey has released in 2024 uh, there's a 2014 to 2020 um sort oh, of yeah. bonuses collection that's more sound collage uh plunder phonicsy um it's pretty cool i i also really liked it but uh yeah i sort of i'm really digging this local stuff at the moment yeah awesome uh, so for my first shout-out, I wanted to talk about the new Infant Island release, Obsidian Reef. Uh, so, I mean, we talked about quite a lot of Screamer on the uh, on the end-of-year episode. Uh, Infant Island are probably one of the more interesting, uh, I guess, like, more 
uh, younger screamo bands uh, out and about. I I didn't really resonate with them though until this record. Uh, 2020's Beneath was kind of all right in my opinion, but this was um yeah this was a big step up for me uh, for them in my opinion. Uh, it was I really liked the production on this thing. It was really muddy, really gritty. Uh, there was sort of a black metal influence as well. That I thought just really added an extra layer to their sound. Uh, so yeah, even though I think this was the um, yeah the record that's kind of sold me on this band, and I'm really excited to see what they do. From here. Yeah, so, I thought this was oh, oh no, go, go for it. Oh, I I thought this was really good, and I mentioned like I mentioned earlier last year, and then our on our end of year thing for the Astraka album. Like for me, post rock and like screamo is kind of hit or miss as a mm. as a combination. Yeah. But I I found that this one did it really well with a lot of a lot of dynamics in actual song structure and volume uh, together in a way that uh, that I thought worked really well for me. Yeah, there was some cool synthy stuff on this record as well. It almost reminded me of like Cult of Luna at points. It was really, really interesting. Uh, mm. Some of the uh, styles they were pulling from in the sort of more post-rock, post-metal uh, aspects of, it, of the sound. And I thought they really, um, yeah, I thought them digging into that really elevated what they were doing on this album. All right. My first shout out is the new Slift album, uh, Ilion. Mm-hmm. I had heard uh, their album from, I think, 2020, Uman, before, and I liked it, but I found that that one was a little long in the tooth. So when I saw this one was even longer, I was a little worried, but I think this one is substantially better. I think it just like moment to moment, it just everything is working constantly. And I think it fills out that space and that time a lot more efficiently so they it feels like they're getting a lot more done in that time um i love the the vocals i love how this thing sounds it feels just massive um and yeah i just love the uh the kind of psychedelic bent to this really heavy sludgy metal ish sound yeah, so I uh, I'm not usually such a big fan of this genre, and I really liked this. Like, I thought it was a lot better than than I'm on, um, which I know was an album that already like, like did pretty well last year in terms of you know people checking it out. Um, so I do hope more people go and find this one. Uh, it, it's really cool. It's just like a lot of fun, and <laughs> it's not super you know in depth. Like, there's there's not a huge amount to explore. It's just really fun, and uh, yeah. I think that's uh, that's kind of what you want to be doing if you're gonna gonna sort of go for an album like this. Yeah, especially of this length, it is impressive that it remains fun for eighty minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Some real bangers on. Also, yeah, I want to echo basically everything uh, here. Um, just want to say that these guys are also really good live. I called them a couple times at uh, like I think it was Roadburn Twenty Two. Uh, they were fantastic. Just like the the. The way they they play the, the material that I think is decent on record, I think like uh, on Umon, uh, they played that material live and it was amazing. Uh, so I'm really excited to maybe see them again and catch this material because I think it's a pretty significant step up. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, on that note, I will move on to my second shout out. 
So uh, I want to shout out the uh, new Nora Nigard album, I Wish I Could See You. I think I'm pronouncing that right. I feel like I read that at some point and then immediately doubted myself the second I said it. Uh, but link in the description, as always. Uh, this was put on to me by a friend of the show, Park Zero, uh, who also has a new ambient album out called Black Hole, which I also thought was really good. Um, and it is a ambient drone piece. Um, I was... Really looking forward to checking this out, and I thought it kind of delivered on everything I was hoping it to. I, I, I sort of, I know they have a really extensive uh, discography, and there's a, a lot of stuff to go through, so I wasn't really familiar with that. But just sort of uh, getting stuck in and giving this guy, I think it was doing a lot of really interesting stuff um, production-wise, and uh, yeah, I just really, really enjoyed it. I I haven't heard of this uh, this like right on my alley. Definitely gonna be checking this out. I also I also have not heard it, but I'm looking at it right now. And the the one review it has on Rate Your Music is by the artist, and it's this really interesting looking like mm-hmm. explanation of the album and like kind of this story. It looks like I I just saw it now. I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but uh, very interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of um, I don't know if it's copied from the bank page i think it is yeah so it's the same info but um there's a a lot of sort of liner notes i I dug around a bit more at the time i found some more as well and uh the liner notes on this album are really extensive and there's a lot of really cool uh sort of backstory to to dig into so it's not so often you see that with these albums or it's more explicit about the the story it's trying to tell which uh, on paper i would say i wouldn't expect to work so much but i think it's it's well written enough that uh, i think it sort of carries it and, and does some really cool stuff Awesome. Uh, yeah, so my next shout-out is going to be the collaborative release between uh, Rap Ferreira and Fumitake Tamura, the first fist to make contact with me, Dap. Uh, Rory, he's, he has like two categories of projects that I really enjoy. I, I think he's at his best when he's either on these super-constructed, really uh, just like meticulously created records like Purple Moonlight Pages or um, basically most of his Milo discography. But then also on all of his Scouts Hotel stuff, when he's like really going on the complete opposite direction, like it's really loose, almost sounds like a collection of freestyles with some really interesting production. Uh, And this record fits more into that second category. I don't think it's going to be for everyone. And I think it's probably more for like uh, I wouldn't recommend this as your first record to get into into uh, mm. Rap or Milo, but uh, I think it's just a really, really in, uh, fantastic showcase of himself as a rapper, as an artist. Uh, the production is really spacey. It's very electronic. It, it's a really, really cool uh, addition to his uh, to his style, and I think just uh, he, he's he's sort of delivering. Uh, he's sort of rapping with an with kind of a relaxed urgency that I think is, mm-hmm. um, is sort of when he's at his best in these kind of records. Uh, yeah, I think in particular the track 47 Rockets has been just like on constant repeat for me. Yeah, really, really good project uh, and sort of the more, in sort of his more laid back style. I uh, was really impressed by this. I really like it. Um, it is like... <laughs> like ketamine hip hop, I guess. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's so off the cuff. Uh, like, yeah, it's almost like hip hop for people who don't like. It's like anti hip hop head hip hop. Uh, I don't know how how best to describe it, but um, it is so sparse and ethereal. And like, 
oh, I really, really respect it for, for doing that. Um, Begonias is an absolute banger. Great track. Uh, there's a lot of really cool, really cool sort of moments on this album, but it's just so unconcerned. Uh, and I really, I, I really liked it. Yeah. I've been, and I think, oh, oh, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I, I've been meaning to check this one out because I fell off the Rap Ferreira train pretty early on. Like I listened mm-hmm. to the first two records and didn't like the second one as much as the first and then just kind of fell off. But I've seen this one getting a lot more attention. So I will, uh, I'll check this out based on your recommendation. Yeah. What were, what were you saying, Evan? Sorry, I cut you off. Oh yeah. Uh, I've forgotten. It's fine. Just move on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> the, uh, uh, my next shout out then is the new, uh, Lua trilogy album, friend of the show, uh, Aisha mm-hmm. slash Isha. If we had got this episode out a week prior, this would have, <laughs> this would have been a, uh, a main, a main one, but too many things came out since then. Um, this is just this really beautiful evolution on the kind of sound collage um, style that she's been working on for the past couple records. This one going into a lot more like like kind of jazzy, um, ambient, like new age stuff. And I think it works really well. I love the like all the different like melodic leads throughout the record. I have no idea like to what degree it is sampled or performed, but I think all of it is arranged really, really lushly and really beautifully. So, um, I think Lua Trilogy's music has sort of been one of my favorite new discoveries of the last couple of months. Um, and I was just like really surprised. I, I shouldn't be surprised, but I was really surprised that this came out so well. I guess I think my, my sort of, skepticism came from the like massive shift in genres going into this like i can't remember uh maybe she tweeted it or something but um just being like oh yeah i'm gonna make a jazz album and i was like okay cool like you know have fun but uh, <laughs> uh you know like it's fun to experiment with new genres but i'm sure you know like why why would that be good if you don't have a history of making jazz music <laughs> it's just really great like the whole thing is um just sort of really creatively put together and yeah i don't know she she seems to have a, a real knack for production um that is seems to be i guess more universal than i than i originally gave her credit for so um yeah really stoked on this album i think, I think it's super cool yeah I, I love this one as well um just like really i want to call it like dream jazz or something uh it's really just really beautiful i think uh it, it, i don't know i i tried to think about what this record sounded like and it was it was like sort of like the after you're, you've died you've got you've got like the good end credits and this is the music that's playing <laughs> if you get the good end when you die this is this is the music what's the bad end the bad end is the album before this yeah yeah ba- yeah exactly <laughs> yeah no this was this is such a creative and fun record i got i got a lot of this um yeah huge shout out literally uh cool i'll go into my next shout out which is the pilgrim their god and the king of my decrepit mountain uh, which is the first album by tapir exclamation mark who are a uh indie folk group from london uh i've never heard of any of them i've never heard of them i've never heard of this album before it just sort of appeared on my radar i think it was on I think I walked past Rough Trade Records in Bristol and it was like 
being advertised on the front. And I was like, I really like the cover of it. And I was just like, cool, I guess I'll check that out. And um, just kind of blown away by uh, how just sort of beautiful it was as a um as a as an indie folk record uh i feel like it's it's kind of a rare treat to to get something so sort of pristinely put together um i need to listen to this more i haven't listened to this enough i just really really liked it and i i sort of i feel like more people need to be getting on it yeah i thought this was really i was really surprised by how much i enjoyed this um I especially I loved the the fusions of kind of modern like contemporary chamber folk and like indie tronica like folky folk tronica y stuff in there these really like really prominent digital like drum loops um especially on the uh, the the first real track the first full song mm-hmm. um really really grabbed me and brought me into this um it did the thing that I it's like a modern trend that I really don't like. And luckily this has nothing to do with the music contained, but it was like released as two EPs. And then the last, the last EP was just the rest of the album. Mm -hmm. Um, I I really (laughs) hate when they do that. But other than that, I think this album is great. Uh, I think the only thing I want to add is that uh, I think Ike Gray's, I I, I really uh, enjoyed all of the musicianship on this, but I think Ike Gray's vocals in particular uh, just stood out as like a real highlight to me on this. Um, great, great to see. Yeah, uh, I assume a lot of hype on this. I definitely will check it out at some point. Seems, yeah, as I say, I, I think I maybe didn't go in for it because I thought it would be something that I wouldn't enjoy as much, but given your guys' recommendation, I'll definitely give this a listen. Uh, so for my next shout out, I wanted to uh, talk about the new record from Cave Sermon, Divine Laughter. Uh, so this is uh, like a one a one man Australian uh, like post death black metal project. Uh, I hadn't heard about it until uh, th- this new record, and it, it's just a really really interesting blend of of those. Sort of genres with a bit of sludge metal in there as well. It's very, it's very fluid. Uh, the I love the guitar tone. It's just very bizarre, um, very very bizarre in its sort of combination between those with a slightly like I almost want to say like a lighter atmosphere in terms of the uh, like interludes and things that almost makes it a little bit more eerie. Uh, yeah, I thought this just a really interesting combination of contemporary metal sounds and uh, almost ambient at points uh yeah no just really interesting release and one that i would definitely recommend checking out i haven't i haven't heard this but when you started describing it at first i got really sad because you called it post-death black metal and i my brain interpreted that as like the guy died and <laughs> this <Yeah>. is like <laughs> posthumous <laughs> posthumous black metal <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that is probably that, the, that, the most black metal thing you can do, right? Yeah, that, that's, that's true. That's the one. That's what comes after DSBM. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just, um, I was just thinking, like, it's been seven albums, and uh, we haven't talked about an Evan, an Evan bullshit album yet. And I was like, oh, thank God, thank God, this came along. <laughs> yeah, phew. yeah, it, it, it didn't, it didn't feel correct until I, I talked about some completely structureless metal <laughs> uh, um, yeah it's just yeah. like it's the classic um 
36 ratings on OIM and none, yeah, of, my exactly. other, n- none of my other friends have, have, have even heard of this. <laughs> I have one mutual who has heard this besides. Oh, nice. So. I, but, but as always, this looks uh, sick and I would really the like to check it out. The album is bonkers. Mm. Yeah, I'm def- definitely going to give this listen. This looks great. Going a little, a couple more ratings uh, than this past Evans one. Uh, I'll shout out the new The Smile album, uh, Wall of Eyes. I, I in studio, I have liked The Smile more in concept than in practice. Seeing them live twice, both of those are like some of the best concerts I've ever been to. Um, but I was. From seeing them live, I was very excited for this album because all of the material from this album that they played live before it came out was phenomenal. Um, the single, Bending Hectic, is still to this day probably the best song I have ever seen performed live. Um, it mm-hmm. was absurd. And I am not I'm not disappointed with this record. I think I like this record more than the first one. It's not like blowing me away in any massive in any huge sense, but uh, but I do think this record is starting to at least kind of give the smile more of a reason for existing. I feel like like this record doesn't feel like a Radiohead album the way that A Light for Attracting Attention did, um, and for that I'm I'm glad that they are they're going in some newer, more interesting directions with like kraut rock and that kind of thing, and come a lot of like more post rock elements too, especially again on Bending Hectic. So I had maybe mixed feelings about this album. Um, I first of all, I wasn't a massive fan of the uh, "A Light for Attracting Attention." Uh, it, it, I thought it was pretty cool, but I didn't love it. Um, and then I heard "Bending Hectic," and I was like, "Damn, this is good. Maybe they, maybe I'm going to love this one." And then I heard the rest of the album, and I was like, "I don't know." It's it sort of there were bits about, about it that I really loved. Uh, and bits that I wasn't so keen on. I think maybe I just wasn't, I've just listened to mostly Black Metal and Scrams this month. So maybe I just wasn't <laughs> feeling it. Uh, and I will definitely go back to it because I really want to, I really want to sort of, um, dig into this one. But yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't totally sold on the whole part, especially where tracks like, um, I Quit and You Know Me weren't really doing so much for me. Whereas I, I think sort of Teleharmonic and Read the Room were, were really great. So I, yeah. I want to, I need to, I need to give this one a bit more time. Um, I do agree that Benning Hectic was fantastic though. Yeah. I, I, I will say like, based on just what you were saying, I, th- part of what made this record click for me after I was a little bit, uh, kind of reserved on the, uh, on the other tracks after hearing Bending Hectic it feels like those are two very different types of post-rock. Like, Bending Mm. Hectic is crescendo core. It is, like, big, massive. The other songs feel more to me like they're pulling from, like, early talk talk or, like, uh, what's the other big early band that I'm I'm blanking on? Uh, Heck, is their album? Yeah, 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 there you go. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so I feel I feel like they're pulling from a different. To me, at least, it feels like they're pulling from different types of post rock, but it is all still very post rock. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, um, I, I probably need some more time with this one. Uh, I I didn't really like the first small record. I thought it was okay. Uh, first impressions of this were a lot more positive, and yeah, as you mentioned, this one's got some really great highlights. I just felt it was a little inconsistent. That's fair. <laughs> um. So moving on to uh, a much less uh, 
popular album. Uh, I'm going to talk about Substation My Home, Melancholy My Bride by Dutch Masters. Uh, this is the album I am the least sure about uh, of any of these that I'm presenting today. Uh, obviously, I've, I just said before, I've been listening to a lot of scrams this month. And this was maybe the weirdest in concept one that I that I heard. Uh, I don't think all of it works. Uh, so it's, it's, it's sort of leaning into digital hardcore and... Um, much more atmospheric kind of sounds like dark ambient. Uh, I think some of it works great. I think some of it I wasn't sure about, but the bits that work were so weird and novel to me that I just kind of wanted to, I wanted to at least sort of recommend it and, and see if anyone else uh, enjoyed it. Uh, but I, again, I might hate this in a month, so I'm not sure yet. <laughs> but it's, it's interesting enough that I wanted to at least talk about it. Yeah, I want to hear this because everything you described and the, the genres I see here, it doesn't sound like it should work so <laughs> yeah th th I this this i see this and i'm like this has got to be bad right oh, oh, says screamo indytronica which you know that's, that's got to be something <laughs> uh, screamo indytronica atmospheric drum and bass digital hardcore dark ambient <laughs> it's like a shit post i really loved uh, i think i think i wouldn't you know i wouldn't be surprised if someone listened to this and was like not sure about this one but um there were definitely bits i really liked no for sure that was pretty <laughs> cool uh so for my final shout out uh this was also a record that i wasn't too sure about but i i wanted to mention just because it was really interesting and there's a new uh vectroid record crash do mac uh plus minus I also kind of want to include uh, one from the end of last year, Crash 1 as well. Uh, Vectroid has seemingly just been on a <laughs> been in a place of putting out some absolutely bizarre stuff. This is, uh, uh, the, these two records in particular, they're hyper-rhythmic, glitch, music, concrete stuff that with really, really tight, short, uh, like rhythmic loops. Uh, it feels like approaching non-music at times uh and that's always appealing to me <laughs> to be honest uh yeah it's my it's, my favorite part just, of music is when it's not music <laughs> exactly um yeah no th these records are just really really out there in terms of yeah glitch uh vapor adjacent glitch stuff uh this is sort of uh, the furthest i've seen that style taken into the abstract and i think it's just a really interesting experiment in what that would look like. Uh, yeah, I don't know how much I, I love these records, but they intrigue me to no end, and I've definitely listened to them a lot over the past one. I mean, I really like Vectroid, so I I don't think I've checked this one out. I, I will definitely give this a listen. Um, I listened to Crash 1, and I thought it was really cool. And uh, I can't remember whether we spoke about it on the pod, probably briefly. Um, but yeah, uh, Metroid is great. So I'm looking forward to this. All right. And then my last shout out and the last shout out, um, the new Sentries album, Snow as Metaphor for Death. I heard this yesterday and it kind of blew me away. I was not expecting to enjoy this as much as I did. It's this really like, it's it's very... It's very Gilliband. Like, it is mm -hmm. very inspired. Um, but I think it is doing some really interesting stuff with that, especially pulling a little bit more, like, industrial stuff in there and a lot more, like, post-hardcore. Um, in particular, I really enjoyed how the, uh, like, the first three tracks 
are they all sound so different from each other, but the quality is like so consistent and they they somehow like sequence into each other very, very well. Especially I liked uh, Entity Selector was really sparse, very industrial, very like dance punky in a way that that was the mm-hmm. song where I was like, oh, this is Gilliband. Um, <laughs> I also just from the vocals, I assumed this was like some UK band, if not like a, at least adjacent to the windmill scene. They're from Vancouver, Canada. <laughs> so, um, but no, I, I loved this one, especially the last track. The title track is like it's 13 minutes long and doesn't waste any of that time. It does some really interesting stuff with its length. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the closing track was what kind of sold me on this not being just a Gilliband clone and actually sort of having more of its own merit. Uh, I think it probably leans for the rest of the album, it leans a little too hard into uh you know contemporary noise rock worship and that's fine because i love those bands and i love those albums and i was sort of but i i sort of i I spent a significant portion of this album thinking about those other bands and then after this i went and listened to the entire gilliman discography uh and you know i'm glad this exists i think it's i think it's really cool um i i sorry i'm a massive gilliman fanboy uh but um yeah, and and as such, I really I really enjoyed this album. I think it was a lot of fun. I think it was really cool. I just would like to see it maybe diverge from that sound a little bit more. Um, but there were you know moments on the the super long closing track uh, that I I really sort of felt that. So yeah, looking looking forward to more from these guys. Okay, so um, with that, are we ready to move on to the first major record of the episode? Yeah, I think we are all good. Uh, so this is uh, this is my album, my album to, to introduce, and I'm going to be You talking. made it. I did. I am Glass Beach, uh, <laughs> and uh, I am going to be talking about the Glass Beach album, Plastic Death. Um, this is the second Glass Beach album following the first Glass Beach album, titled The First Glass Beach Album. And it is, uh, I guess... A more elaborate, more um, technically interesting, in my opinion, uh, more sort of conceptual project. Uh, there's a, a lot of really interesting things and sort of expands on the original in a lot of interesting ways. Um, I mean, the first Glass Beach album was pretty big, so I'm assuming you both heard it. But uh, you know, how did you how did you feel coming coming into this? Was it sort of something you were comparing it to, or, or had you not heard yeah. it in a while? This this album, it's one of those albums that like anytime I go a little too long without hearing it, I kind of start to second guess how much I actually enjoy, how much I actually liked <laughs> <Yeah>. it. Um, <laughs> especially because like since it came out, I've seen so many people whose like tastes I, I respect and, and I share a lot of taste with not vibing with it. Um, but every time I come back to this, I am pretty much constantly reminded why this is one of my favorite albums of the year so far. Um, the first Glass Beach album is, it's one that I've always really respected and I've enjoyed a lot of key moments from, but it's a record that like never really resonated with me as a full project. Um, Mm -hmm. with Plastic Death, I feel like the band has come into their own and like pulled off a a full record far, far more cohesive than their last one. Um, and this one has, I feel like this one has like a lot more ambition that I feel like they tap into really really well i i'm i'm a pretty huge fan of this one yeah i i think i think ambition is really what marks this record out in particular from the their debut i think that their, their 
their debut was a really really interesting record because at least to at least to me that was the first point at which like uh sort of fifth wave uh emo became sufficiently distinct from the evo revival mm-hmm. uh that it sort of merited its own thing i think that that record was really interesting in the way it, it sort of uh utilized sort of more straight up theatricality more uh sort of progressive rock influence almost uh very dynamic song structures synth elements uh yeah it was like i don't know progressive band kid emo uh and it was <laughs> as i say I, I i sort of felt like how Bam was describing this new one where I, I i liked the record at the time and then anytime i went too long without hearing it i was like did i actually like that album and i went back to it and i was like yeah no this is pretty good mm. uh but I think it's just a style that hasn't really held up for me in the years since. I think a lot of the, the other bands doing a similar thing have either fallen off or just were never really that interesting in the first place. Uh, but yeah, I was excited to listen to this one, given I had mainly positive memories about the first one. And was it? I don't think this thing blew me away. I did still really like it, and I think it is definitely uh, an improvement over the debut. And as, as you guys were alluding to, I think the the ambition and the technicality on this record is what puts it above uh, the, the release. Yeah, yeah I, really, oh, I, I really, I really, sorry, I, I really felt that uh, on the the opening track in particular. Mm, um, absolutely. So, like, uh, obviously, we, we can we can we don't have to dive into this just yet, but um, it's sort of this uh, this it's not really as punchy, um, and you know, it's sort of happy to really have these these slow build ups into. Uh, I, I guess like almost like post rock kind of song structures at times. Um, mm. Obviously not like not that, but borrowing from that kind of uh, that style a lot. It feels it feels very aquatic, which is is fitting given the yeah. cover and some of the lyrical themes. Yeah, I I, th- I think the the thing that immediately stood out to me about this record was the sort of sound profile. It's mm. uh, it's really pillowy, uh, and when they have sort of the more abrasive guitar moments. Uh, that then sticks out massively and provides this really interesting uh, sort of point of comparison between the rest of the mix. Um, and yeah, it almost worked as like a like a, a sonic indicator of when the energy is about to shift massively. I thought that was really really interesting. Uh, yeah, a, a way to approach uh, sonics for a record like this. Um, yeah, I, it's almost like it had different production for different uh, for different approaches on the record. I thought that was again, it almost played into that sort of very theatrical nature of the band and their songwriting, and I think that really worked for them on this. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think just a lot about how this record sounds really really worked to its advantage. Yeah, one one thing going into this that I was a bit worried off that worried about that I think paid off really well um, is that they pretty completely dive into like prog rock mm-hmm. um, be it like the the long shifting song structures and like more uncommon time signatures um, and also their like embrace of really flashy and technical like guitar and synth wizardry um, there are a lot of elements here that I think should not work for me um, but I, I think what brings it all together for me is kind of the passion behind that ambition um, mm-hmm. behind every single performances. Like the vocals are obviously like 
really, really passionate and don't feel phoned in for even like a second. But I think it's more impressive that like every musician feels like they're also giving like all of their heart into the performances, even when it's like the uh, the flashier solos or like the melodic lines. Um, it feels like a release of pent up emotion rather than just showing off. Yeah. And I, I think that is something that I just really appreciate about Glass Beaches band in general is that they it's everything about it is so incredibly like genuine and very yeah, as you say, passionate. And I think that really works for this kind of like dynamic winding emo post rock that they're they're going for in this thing. Uh yeah, I, I think uh the there those tracks like um uh, slip under the door that I thought were really interesting in, in context of that with it was almost like very jazzy uh, and it, it, it sort of almost uh, almost bordered on like navel gazing but it was still managed to stay <laughs> captivating throughout the, the the time of the track and I think they they really maintain that balance quite well because it felt like there were points where this was gonna kind of just wind out into somewhere not particularly interesting but they managed to pull it back generally i think uh the songwriting was generally very interesting and, and just engaging uh for for this kind of record but i think as you as you say bound i think it could have really been not like that yeah. <laughs> uh yeah i don't know in particular i think i i think slip under the door is a really interesting song here um because it it does have that like jazzy like you were saying almost could have been navel gazing like stuff but it's between these two like massive peaks on like bookending the track um of this crazy like screamo um adjacent stuff um yeah <laughs> and on the on the back part of the track especially i really love the way that the uh, the screamo vocals kind of are constantly like it's screamed and then it gives way to this like soft voice and then it goes right back into the screaming. Like I, I really enjoyed how, how dynamic that performance was without feeling just overbearingly flashy. Yeah. And I, I think that's a really good thing to point out because in sort of like going back into the, the more, the more natural voice, you, you're, it's almost reminding you it, at, with the performance that like, you're going way out of your register. Like you're yeah. really pushing yourself to make the vocals sound like this and uh, sort of going out of that voice and back in, it, it sort of emphasizes that, especially when you have a record that is performed so emphatically as, as this one. Yeah. I, and like you were saying before, um, the, this is a very, very theatrical record, which is another thing that doesn't hold up for me in most music. Um, yeah. I, I do have a little more of a tolerance for it than some people. I really loved that HMLTD album last year, um, which is about the most theatrical album of the decade so far. Um, but but for the most part, if it's not something I grew up on, like MCR or something, I, I have a hard time looking past the theatrics, <laughs> especially in Prague. Um but I feel yeah. like this record reels it in pretty convincingly, and I feel like it gives me a lot more to chew on, like to chew on in between the more extravagant moments. 
Um, there's a lot of breathing room, like the uh, like the the middle part of Slip Under the Door, and also guitar song, um, which I think works really well as kind of a a breather between the screamo end of Slip Under the Door and the power pop rager of Rare Animal. Um, I love R- Rare Animal is maybe my favorite song here. Um, I love how that that song kind of climaxes near the end, especially into that huge chorus. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I really love the sort of post-hardcore influence on that track. Yeah. The, but also showing that they can still do the more straightforward Midwest stuff in the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, it, it was it was probably the highlight for me as well. Um, yeah, I, and, and to sort of touch on what you mentioned there, I think just the sequencing throughout this record is generally pretty fantastic. Uh, I think it does overstay its welcome a little bit for me, but I, it, it feels like a really meticulously constructed album and one that you can really understand why it took them sort of three, four years to record. Um, yeah, I, I think just the, the way in which this record is is constructed in that way, it, um, it's very impressive if it even if it doesn't work 100% of the time, I think, towards the, uh, the like back middle section is a, a little weak for me. Uh, I think it picks it up towards the end, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think generally the sequencing on this record is really, really impressive. Yeah, I think I think this record. My my only complaint is also that it overstays its welcome. But I think it overstays its welcome by one song, and it's just because <laughs> Comatose should have been the end of this album. <laughs> like yeah. that, yeah. it's such yeah, an amazing is... climax. And Abyss I Angel want to jump to the end too soon, but yeah, totally agree. Abyss Angel is a really good song, but it they should not have followed it up after comatose <laughs> yeah i mean you just you look at the track list and you see the the nine minute 49 song not as the last one and it just doesn't look right yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> even just from that perspective <laughs> i don't know um but yeah I, I think it's it's still not a general style that i think really appeals to me in a broader sense but i think just the way in which Glass Beach as a band perform it and the sort of, yeah, the enthusiasm they put into the performances and the way the songs are written Mm -hmm. just really makes me engage with their music on a level above, I think, a lot of their contemporaries. Even even if it is stuff like this where I I feel like there are lots of parts where it probably shouldn't work and it just about does. Yeah. Um, Yeah. No, I I, I did really like this record. Um, I think I liked it quite a bit more than I was expecting, despite liking the one before it. I don't know. <laughs> Harry, I'm realizing we talked over you for your whole album, so... I, yeah. It's Go. all right, I'm, I didn't actually release this album, but that's okay. What? <laughs> no, um, oh. I, I kind of, I, I, I mean, I echo everything that's been said. Um, I think the sequencing on this is great. The uh, I think the only thing that sort of stuck out to me was that um, the production seemed to be... I think maybe because they were leaning to the to some of the more theatrical styles, um, made it sound really good in certain listening environments and really really shitty in other listening environments. Uh, for example, uh, I tried listening to this on my car and I uh, nearly crashed trying to turn it off because <laughs> it just it just sounded like absolute ass when I was playing it on the road. And I think it's just the way it was produced and put together. It didn't make sense for that kind of environment. This thing on headphones, just sitting down and chilling out and like really focusing on it. I got a lot more out of it. Um, but yeah, my, I mean, maybe that's an issue with my car. <laughs> 
Uh, no, but you know what? <laughs> my friend, my friend who loves, loves, loves the first album. Um, I, I told him that this came out and he was like, oh my God, I'm listening to it on my way home from work. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's why he didn't like it as much because <laughs> he listened to it in his car. I just found it. I got five. I got to the end of Caller Camp and I was like, "God, I'm so bored." And then I put on like something <laughs> with a hard beat, and I was like, "Yeah, that's better." Um, but you know, I think that that's probably due to the fact that uh, my car butchers mids and goes hard on bass, and that's you know just not going to do great things for this album. Uh, just you know, on paper, so. Um, when I, yeah, when I got home and I, I sat down and, and really focused on it, I got a ton out of this. I, I really enjoyed it. Your car is mid. Yeah. My car is mid piece of, piece of shit car. <laughs> uh, <laughs> on that note, on that wonderful note, we are, we're, we're, we're on good time pace to, uh, move on to the next album if we'd like to do so. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, first of the main releases I'm going to be introducing is the new record from Noll as Spoken. Uh, so Noll are a death grind band from Memphis, Tennessee. This is their uh, third record. And yeah, I've been I've been keeping an eye on these guys since Interstice. I, I don't know if we talked about that record when it came out. I feel like we did. Uh, I think I think we, I think we did because I remember you telling me about how you ran into some of them at a show once. Is that right? Oh, yeah. So I, I did meet, um, I ran into to Jamie, the vocalist at Roadburn, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, which is uh, which is very cool. Uh, but yeah, so uh, they I've been keeping an eye on this guy since Instus, which came out in 2021, which is a really cool fusion of uh, grindcore, death grind, mathcore, uh, with a bit of a noise edge. Again, uh, they followed that out with Metamphoric in 2022, which sort of. I think really solidified them as one of the sort of more most interesting up and coming uh, bands in the U.S. underground uh, metal scene. Uh, but also, I as much as I really did like those two records, I was a bit like, I hope they're not painting themselves into a corner here, particularly with how full of hell inspired those records are. I was kind of waiting for them to really step out of that shadow and come through with a record that really define their sound and i think they've they i think they've done that on this record uh to really fantastic effect and gone into some uh gone towards some sort of uh some styles that i wasn't really expecting from them uh given their previous stuff uh yeah this this record is really inspired by like dissonant black metal uh death metal uh sludge metal there are lots of really slow sections uh i guess we'll get into it as, as we talk about it more but yeah, uh, this felt like a really cool and interesting step up from them, and just really felt like they were defining their sound on the record. Uh, so I was really excited for this one. Um, I thought Interstice was pretty cool. I thought uh, Metempiric was fucking excellent, and uh, I thought this was pretty great. You know, somewhere in the middle. Um, uh i i think it sort of uh builds on some of the 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 ideas that they were doing in those other albums um in a really interesting way but maybe was less consistent across the entire album for me Uh, i think there are some absolute standout monstrosities on this uh unto viewing is just just like yeah yeah just yeah yeah uh but yeah i I really really like this album it's something i'll be going back to uh quite a lot especially for the next couple of weeks um I'm I'm sort of I'm excited to see how well it holds up because I do love me some good mathcore adjacent music. 
Yeah, I this record is sick. Um, I had heard Noel just from Met Empiric. I I hadn't heard their album before that. Um, but Met Empiric was one of my favorite grind albums in a year full of fantastic grind. Like 2022 had some great grindcore adjacent stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I was not sure what to expect going into this as I had mostly forgotten the content of that record. Um, and what I got was pretty much more of what I did remember, that being just bonkers vocals, insane riffs, and mostly the 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 noisy production that I remembered loving so much. Um, I thought this was great. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the production, as you say, is super noisy, super muddy, but it's, it's almost a bit more cavernous on this one. And I think that really works in context with the more uh, like extreme metal influences on this thing as opposed to grind. Uh, I think... Uh, just from 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 the start of this thing, you have you, you immediately hear the very strong portal influence on this record. Uh, the guitar passages uh, across this album are so dizzying in the in the same similar kind of way. Uh, but unlike portal, uh, they also have riffs, so it's uh, <laughs> a lot better. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it just from from the opening track, uh, as spoken title track. Uh, you you have these guitar passages in context with some really great riffs, but also uh, uh, Jamie Eubanks' vocal performance is fantastic. And I think that's a pretty consistent uh, theme throughout the record. But also, I think one thing that I really wanted to mention and one thing that stood out to me across this record was uh, Jack Anderson on drums. Because I think the way he's able to shift momentum and tempo very fluidly across this record really works for how, what it's trying to do in creating what they, they've sort of dubbed as like funeral grind. Uh, and I think it's a really interesting uh, mix of genres. And I think that aspect of, uh, of the record is really what underpinned what made it work for me. Yeah. I love, um, I love the drumming on this record. And in particular, I love the way the drums are mixed on this record mm. um, where it's very like the playing is very crash heavy and that completely like fills the mix um, to the point where a lot of the time it in a good way gets in gets in the way of the guitar riffs to the point where it feels more like portal like you were saying where it almost sounds like they don't have <laughs> it almost sounds like they don't have riffs because they're being so like eaten by the the cymbals and I also love the way that the cymbals like the the drums in general are very dynamic they feel like 3d especially when you're wearing headphones yeah. it almost feels like you are behind the kit like you can hear mm-hmm. every symbol coming yeah. from a different direction um the other the other big thing for me production wise that i loved was the vocals um the vocals are insane like performance wise and the the way that they are mixed it is right on top of everything else which i normally don't like especially in like in in genres that have more like death death adjacent vocals um but here it's like mind-blowing like it it feels like you are looking down his throat as he is screaming and just like (laughs) observing all of the folds move (laughs) like it's it's ridiculous yeah i i think i've that's been a real consistent part of what made have made noel stand out to me and i think he's just continued to get better as as the records have have released um yeah I, i to to sort of talk about some of some of the other tracks in this thing, I, I think that there are points where like the you have these 
uh, blackened guitar riffs. They almost sound like wall, like just absolute walls of sound. Uh, this, um, I think it was, I think it was Millwood where it felt like the the guitars felt like cathedral walls, and you had these really, really slow blast beats that sounded like they were coming from like the altar of this huge church. Where um, it was very. Uh, it was just very evocative in, in the way that it's produced. And I think that just in terms of this kind of music that can be very muddy and difficult to have that uh, sort of working for you in that sense, it, it, it really works uh, to allow the, the actual composition of the tracks to, to be more appreciable. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love when the, I love when the guitars are fast here, but I love when it's slow. Like I, I, yeah. <laughs> I think that noisier production really shines when they slow it down and get like, not even, it's not even like a breakdown, but it's just this dirge. Well, it sounds so good. Yeah. You can actually hear it. <laughs> when it's going fast, <laughs> it's just one big fucking blur. But like, yeah, actually being able to like really take it in is, is like just incredibly cool. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think dirge is, is a word that I used to, would use to describe Noel a lot. And I think this is the dirgiest of all of their records. <laughs> uh, but for absolutely to its benefit, I think, um, yeah, some, some of the, some of the tracks where they, it's sort of, uh, I think, was it Revile of Light? I had this written down, but I lost some of my notes. Uh, that, uh, it sort of, uh, unfurls into this, horn-led drone section with uh with again some really really fantastic drums uh that that was just an absolutely stunning moment to me and i think uh a lot of the slower parts of this record are i think they're they're sort of quite well rationed throughout the track list in in how they're implemented and uh, it, it again this is a record that flows really well and i think part of that is that it doesn't sort of chaotic it's not quite chaotic in the way that it, it switches it sort of understands when is best to deploy some of these uh these techniques that they're using in terms of changes of tempo and, uh, i guess uh different approaches to guitar playing within uh, mel uh yeah I, I thought it was just really interestingly constructed in that sense um yeah <laughs> i don't know uh what's that to that I mean, I think you've summed up pretty, yeah, pretty, pretty summed up the entire record, I guess. Well, yeah, I mean that that that's what this this band uh, has always done really well, and I think that is the one thing that I really do appreciate in the sort of evolution of this sound is um, we 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 always you know it always comes back to the uh, the fast, slow, loud, quiet dynamic, uh, the sort of yeah, contrast, yeah. and uh, I think they they really capture that well here. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I thought this was fantastic. I'm glad we checked it out. And yeah, I, I'm just glad to hear some like real sort of weird black metal riffs on this thing as well. I think that's a really awesome direction for them to be going in. Uh, yeah, I, I think this is probably my favorite null record to date. They, they seem to be getting better with each release, in my opinion, at least. Uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm perpetually excited for what these guys are going to do next. Yeah, really, really great record. And I say just a, a really great, like, headphones experience mm -hmm. i feel the the production on this thing is as we've mentioned a few times it's just absolutely bonkers um 
So given the time, I think it is not unreasonable to uh, end this two minutes early to give ourselves two minutes to talk about the next album. Uh, so I think uh, moving on might make sense. I am very yeah, excited to move on. Because <laughs> this um, is like with, the one where I think we're almost excited to talk about. I am so yeah. excited for this one. Um, this one I found is uh, the latest album by uh, Brazilian rap group Krizin da Z-O, uh, Accelero. Uh, I, holy fuck. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I cannot believe this thing exists. Um, looking at the genre tags on Rate Your Music, which I implore everyone to go do, um, I, I knew that I was, I knew to expect something insane, um, but this mm. is like bat shit. Um, <laughs> And such a such a cool discovery. I'm glad I had. Um, I I've started to kind of wean myself off of uh, industrial hip hop to a degree um, because I do feel like a lot of it has kind of devolved into just death grips worship and even less interestingly just money store worship. Um, yeah, yeah. This album yep. though really feels like it's drawing from a completely different well of influences to come to a similar conclusion, um, which is just the craziest combination of rhythms and sounds you could possibly imagine. Um, what did you guys think of this one? I'm very excited to hear. I mean, this is, this is driving music. Let's be real. You know, if the, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> when you said plastic beach couldn't, <laughs> I was going to say when you turned on, when you said you turned off uh, plastic beach in the car and turned on something more rhythmic, I, I, I imagined um, this being I, what you I, turned I, on. This is exactly what I put on on my commute on the way home in the end. Uh, <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I mean, I just like, I, I, couldn't believe this when I heard it. It is uh, it is all over the place, and it is so uh, <clears throat> so willing to do to to make really sort of wild gambles. Uh, we'll we'll talk about a couple of the tracks in particular, I assume, as we go on. But um, yeah, I think this is is just such a. I, I mean, I saw I saw that you were were sort of linking as some other funk brasileiro tracks uh, or, or albums and um i similarly want to really explore some of the uh, brazilian hip-hop stuff a bit more from listening to this because uh this goes super hard and it's got to be drawing some influences from somewhere i've just not heard of it yet so uh, yeah i want to really dig into this a bit more i love this thing this is this is crazy <laughs> um yeah, the, I was as, surprised as, you had not heard this before because this seems like Evan bullshit. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I had I'd already had the Bandcamp tab open on my phone. I just hadn't listened to it yet. Ah, uh, okay, nice. <laughs> of course, I, I was aware of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was your recommendation that made me go out my way and check it out. Uh, and yeah, this was this was absolutely fantastic. Just it's so endlessly creative and so yeah. infectious in that sense that even even just on that level I, I i would love this record but what it is drawing from and as you say the conclusions it comes to from those very interesting and disparate influences is just extremely captivating and i think this is gonna end up being one of the most i don't know just interestingly executed records of the year and probably one of my favorites come the end of the year to be honest i think this is probably the record that stood out to me most uh in out of the january releases this perhaps is... other than the uh the one we're about to talk, to, talk about <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the things that i i noticed immediately uh listening to this 
is just how like simultaneously chill and invigorating it is mm. um like to a degree that feels like it should be impossible um it's the like the laid back husky like breathy vocals that ride so smoothly over top of these so like chaotic and abstract instrumentals um in a way that like rather than subtracting energy from the production it adds like this extra layer of cool to the whole thing instead like i feel like with such laid back vocals it could very easily like dampen the whole thing um but it it does not even for a second yeah i I really felt like um the the sort of very monotonous sort of vocal approach on this thing it almost felt like um the the, the rapping was kind of being used in the same way a lot of like vocal samples we used in like 90s dance music in that it, it's it's almost monotone in the sense that it's commanding you on on the dance floor in a way i think it it really worked in that aspect but as you say it's also chill and i think that sort of gets onto what i think really uh is fantastic about this record is that this is i mean it works excellently both as like uh, headphones and as a speaker's record uh in that sense I when think, i uh, <laughs> when i I've, first I've listened got, to it i listened to it one time on the big pa system at my work and then i put on headphones <laughs> and listened to it again <laughs> and it, like it, they almost it almost sounds like completely different records yeah. uh from those two experiences and i think just both the the appeal it has on to from in like a dance floor speaker out loud context uh, from the just really creative rhythms, drawing a lot from Funk Brasileiro, and uh, the I guess really dance influenced sample use uh, is it comes to the forefront. But when you listen to this record on headphones, the really crisp sound design comes to the fore, and the um, the really like IDM inspired synths and. I don't know if it was an Aphex Twin sample, but there are a lot of Aphex Twin. There, there is an Aphex sample. Twin sample. Yeah, is yeah. I was like, is is this from Come On You Slags? I'm not sure. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, it was something off of uh, uh, Come I To Daddy. Or what was it? I think I so. It was like maybe there's multiple because the one on Domin- Domingo, yeah. I think, um, was yeah. something off of. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, it, it had that two sides to it where it almost felt like two records in one uh, in, a, in a weird way. And I, th- I thought just from that perspective, it makes this record incredibly interesting. And both it's records awesome. are amazing. Yeah, literally. Both records are amazing and weirdly distinctly, like distinct enough releases to almost be recommend that I would want to recommend people listen to this record in both contexts. Uh, Definitely, yeah, yeah de- definitely yeah. worth doing that. And I think, yeah, I, I, we talk about uh, sort of, yeah, Brian, you talked about the, um, I guess, the way in which it took uh, sort of different influences to a lot of uh, contemporary industrial hip hop and yeah. came to sort of similar conclusions. And I think just whenever I hear this kind of industrial adjacent uh, hip hop music that is, coming at it from a more of a dance perspective, I always feel it always feels a lot more refreshing to me. And I'm not really sure why, but um, I think that sort of approach really benefited this record. Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. All I'm right. very excited to talk about some of these influences. Um, um, cause like a lot of it reminds me stylistically a lot of like, uh, like MIA's Maya. Um, mm. yeah. Which, as well. which mostly goes to show just how ahead of its time that record was. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, but yeah. also yeah. how many, uh, like traditionally Latin and more specifically Brazilian music elements the group is combining with more contemporarily electronic and experimental styles of this time. Um, in terms of more recent releases, I, I linked to uh, two albums before this um, to Wishlist because you guys are both going to want to listen to this, uh, listen to those after this. <laughs> um, there's a record. They're both from last year, both records that I found after after listening to this and trying to figure out where <laughs> like what else like this is there. Um, there's a record called uh, Sexta Dos Crias by DJ Ramon Successo. Um, which is, it's very, it's a lot more sparse than this, but it's very loud and very unhinged, like 150 BPN, uh, Brazilian funk. And the other one is, uh, Mimosa by Cabeza de Nego, I think mm. is what, which my friend actually, when I sent this to him, he immediately recommended this. It showed up under on the, on the Bandcamp page. It was right under this. Um, and it's a very apt comparison, but, uh, coming from an angle instead of like more plunder phonics than rap. Um, this is, this is a scene in general that I've seen like no one talk about ever. Um, and I think it needs more of a shout. So both of those records, uh, go back on the timeline and listen to me, say them again and try and type them out. <laughs> good luck. Um, discord. I kind I'll, of post, I'll post them in discord. It's yeah. Please good. post them in the discord. More, all the um, more reason to join the discord. Yeah, exactly. Go join the discord. Um, but yeah, in terms of the actual music here, uh, track to track, it varies a lot stylistically, but what's mm -hmm. consistent throughout is just how intricate every single track is and just sheer quality. Um, every instrumental is so detailed and is constantly shifting, whether it be like the insane rap metal stuff that shows up on like Territorio um, or the opening uh, Ofim Um. Uh, that track, the first track, features uh, the drummer of Sepultura. Um, <laughs> and it absolutely shows in the back half of that track. Um, or there's like the more the more complex rhythms of tracks like Dominigo um, or the more atmospheric brass heavy uh, Caro de Ap Caro de Aplicativo. I'm trying. <laughs> um, uh, that one has these really like laid back sung vocals and a crazy melodic solo in the middle that I love a lot. Um, my favorite moment, um, it's a tie. Uh, my, fa my favorite moment is either um, the way that Demonio de... de I'm trying. Demonio do Rio de Prata... That, that instrumental um, really interweaves with the vocal performance in a way that I love. Um, and then there's the absolutely unhinged, like, hard dance party instrumental of Simulado. Uh, that song is insane. <laughs> um, the first time I heard that, I was, I was at work and I could not work while that song was on. I could not stay still. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, Every track to me has like at least one memorable element that pushes it like well above and beyond and keeps it memorable every single listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry to, sorry to I, ramble a little bit. I'm just, I'm very excited about this album. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. And I want to echo a lot of what you said, especially pointing out some of the same tracks. I think uh, Karadi, Epikitavo, and Simulado are, are two real, real standouts. But the former of those having like really interesting influences from like, I don't know, like 2000s video game music, <laughs> like trance. No, I hear it. Like the, like the, the, the PS2. In the, yeah. P- PS2 era stuff, it's it's absolute gold, and I, the the pads on that, it, it sounds like it, it sounds like the the exact sounds that like every two bit jungle producer wakes up like <laughs> I can't make this, you know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I loved like some of the really quirky and fun sample use on this thing. The, there's like bed squeaks and that are used really creatively and. Uh, as we sort of previously mentioned uh, Aphex Twin samples and stuff like that just everything about this record is bustling with creativity and just excitement and I I think that that really comes across in just almost every aspect of what what they're doing on this thing I just I just am impressed by almost every part of this album to be honest it's completely batshit and I love it I mean, I don't really have a huge amount to add on top of that. Uh, Simulado is absolutely outrageous. And I think it, that that was the song that stuck out to me the most out of all of these as like, like a real, um, oh, what's, what's the, what's the right metaphor here? Like, uh, I out loud jaw- said, what the fuck? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was yeah. Jaw- 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 on that. But, <laughs> um, yeah. you know, it's, it's sort of almost like, not necessarily just on that trip, but like they're sort of uh, leaning into moments of like electro clash or deconstructed club or mm. just uh, super super interesting sounds. Um, and you know, going back to what you said at the start about uh, the sort of the current um, landscape of Death Grips worship, I think it is moments like that that make me really happy to to see an album that is clearly inspired by something else or doing it in a different way uh and yeah yeah i I think i think those those tracks are really fantastic um the other thing that really stuck out to me on this album was that it doesn't it really doesn't outstay its welcome it really sort of leans into the the idea of uh you know go out go out hard and fast and don't overstay your welcome and uh, i think collapsado and alex uh, accelerado are uh two of the better tracks on this, you know, leading into the last sort of five, six minutes. Um, it ends really, really strong. Yeah. And it's, the whole thing is just paced perfectly. I think, um, I love the way that the tracks kind of like, even though every song has a definitive start and end, they kind of bleed into each other. Um, like it feels vibes like a wise. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Th- there's this, this, this record makes you feel like you are at the club yeah like 100 <laughs> percent. it's so it, the, the feeling is so vivid yeah and every track like there's this really palpable ebb and flow across the whole record between like i was saying the 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 energy and the vibes like it's very mm. the two cro- like the two cross on every single song but they cross at different points i feel like throughout the record and it gives it this really great um flow state um from front to back this yeah that's a, a hypnotizing that's a really viscerality hypnotizing viscerality is what mm-hmm. i what i wrote yeah absolutely this this album is extremely hypnotic i think that that really works in its favor in terms of 
that's that's one of them that's surprising that sort of DJ mix like flow of it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, there's just so much love about this thing, and I think uh, we talked about about Simul- a lot about Simulado, but I think that that track really just it, it just feels like the ep- epitome of the Prosian philosophy of this record and why it works so well. Um, yeah, no, this is yeah, th- this will this will be an album I'm thinking about at the end of the year for sure. Yeah, uh, this is this is my album of the year so far, and it's not even close. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I think I think if if there's any record from this this episode that you should absolutely listen to, it is this one. Definitely. Yeah, 100% yeah. agree. Uh, and it's probably the one that the fewest people will listen to unless we yeah. <laughs> unless we yell at them enough. Uh, and, you know, what is the point of a music podcast if you can't yell at people to listen to niche albums that uh, you really like? So, Yeah, my uh, my my partner was saying that uh, it's it's always such a flex when an artist drops an album this good in January. And this is one of the biggest flexes I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Uh, okay, so um, yeah, are we happy to to move on to the final record of the episode? Yeah, sounds good. So uh, for uh, for our last record, we're going to be talking about the new Hoplites album, uh, Parame No Many. Uh, I don't know if I said that correctly. <laughs> almost definitely not. Uh, so Hoplites is a one man black metal project from uh, Ningbo in China. Uh, they have. Uh, they sort of burst onto the scene with the record Pseudomeni uh, on the 1st of January 2023 and then proceeded to put out another two records of absolutely just insane, uh, super fast black metal with elements of mathcore, elements of thrash on uh, the third of those records. Uh, and yeah, it was, as particularly the first of those records really stood out to me uh, but as as the uh, as the year went on, with three of those albums coming out, they sort of blended together into one. And there was also the whole time when listening to them, I was it, the back of my mind. I was like, this this is great, but also it is kind of just serpent column worship. And as much as I love serpent column, uh, that's that's great. I I can listen. I you know, I I can only listen to those albums so many times. So it's good to have something else. I I really wanted. Uh, Hoplites as an artist to come out with a with a record uh, that really differentiated themselves from uh, from Theophanos and what they've been doing with uh, Serpent Column and uh, the project since then. And I think this is the record that finally does that, and it does that in a completely batshit way that I was not expecting. Uh, yeah, I, I I saw there was a new Hoplites record. I was kind of expecting it to be. Uh, fairly similar to, to, to what had come to this point, but this thing kind of blows all of their previous material out of the water in just going into a completely interesting uh, new direction of progressive, brutal prog, uh, brutal prog math stuff. I don't even know how to describe <laughs> what this record really is, but uh, it's weird black metal, and that's why I'm talking about it. Hell yeah. <laughs> I, guess. Um, I, I mean, obviously, you, you know this because we spoke about it a minute ago, but uh, uh, for, for the listener, I could not believe that uh, the first Hoplites album came out in 2023. Like, I just, I just couldn't comprehend that. And 
part of the reason I found that so difficult is because just a year on from that album, we're getting uh, something just so fundamentally like like different in its approach and its refinement and its production. Like uh, I really, really love that first that first Hoplites album, but uh, the difference in experience, I think, coming into that, uh, coming into this one, is quite remarkable that it's so on show um and even the difference between the last record and this one like the last one was a lot more like thrashy this one is very progressive yeah and i i think uh given sort of the the with the quick turner of those turnover of those records and the more thrash direction of the third record which again is something that theophanos had also done on uh his post-serving column uh, projects. I was almost a bit worried. Like, is is he just like doing what this other guy is doing? Just that's why just he's getting them out so fast. Up. He's just like, yeah, I ex- see this album. Yeah, ex- boom. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and it's like, obviously, I know this guy is far too talented to be doing that. So I just, I almost wanted a record to prove that he could do something that this other guy hasn't done. Uh, and I mean, as much as I, I think Theophilus is one of the, I mean especially in terms of guitarists, one of the standout uh, extreme metal uh, guitarists of the last decade or so. This this is something that I don't think I would ever expect either of them to have done, I think. Uh, yeah, the, the way this record is composed both across the entire track list and within each track is really, really interesting to me. I think a lot of the a lot of the tracks are this is a this is a, like a six track 50 minute record. Uh, a lot of the tracks in or in or around 10 minutes in length and it, it's really interesting because for much of the runtime i would almost hesitate to call it progressive in the sense that it, it sort of winds between these really bludgeoning vignettes that sort of stack on top of each other in a way that uh the very fast-paced uh sort of approach of uh, his previous material did uh, but then also goes into completely, uh, completely way more out there directions in terms of uh, the, the fourth track, where it sort of leans more into that typically progressive composition, and then onto the fifth track where you have the, some really fancy, fantastic synthes uh, that I guess we'll, we'll talk about later. But yeah, um, just just the way that uh, the tracks are written on this thing uh, is completely completely different from anything that we've seen from not just uh Hoplites to this point but almost any artist within this scene of uh very fast-paced dissonant black metal yeah before before we talk about the synth use there's one other uh very prominent instrument <laughs> that is a choice um <laughs> that we can talk about there's a lot of sax on this album mm. very loud very prominent very insane sax um but i yeah it's great <laughs> it's really and what good. i was what i was surprised by is like it's not overused um no i was very worried when the first track like when i when it first started on the first track i was like oh no is this going to be like new toy syndrome where it's like every <laughs> every few seconds he's showing off his new saxophone um but no it is pretty like uh pretty appropriately used throughout um the highlight moment for me um is track five like you mentioned where it's like 
trade well there are two highlight moments the first one is on the first track where it's trading between the sax solo and the guitar solo back and forth um near the end and then track five where it's the synth the guitar the sax back to the synth and it's this really like awesome um just progression between the two it feels like one one solo moving through three different instruments yeah, absolutely. And I, I think just that that track five for me really exemplified what was, what was fantastic about this record and just how, how much there is to explore within this this sound and this approach. Uh, it really reminded me of like Poil or something, uh, the, the rhythms and the synths on that track in particular. And yeah, I, I, I just think that... Um, the with this sort of style of, of prog being more and more uh, sort of appreciated within sort of contemporary rock music, I think it's really interesting to see uh, an artist like this within very niche uh, sort of underground metal circles to sort of apply that to uh, that sound in a way that I didn't think would really work, but it, it just it just ended up being pulled off fantastically. And yeah, I. I, I it's it's really weird because um, as much as I, I did really really like Hot Lights as an artist prior to this record, just I, I I didn't really see them as someone that as innovative of the, as this record sort of showcases. And from that from that respect, this this thing just completely blew me away because there's there is very very low within uh, within contemporary metal music that sounds anything like this. Mm-hmm. I guess that's maybe the uh, the sort of consequence of being a one man band, <laughs> like yeah, uh, being completely uncompromising in the choices you want to make. I think just sort of it's like auteur music, but without the um, abusive relationships, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, yeah. And, in and in that it's, sense, it's so much better oh, for that. That's right. In that sense, it reminds me a lot of. I think this might have been the first album that we ever talked about with me on the podcast. The and it, it doesn't sound anything like this, but it feels very similar to me as the the Victory Over the Sun album from last right. year. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Where yeah, that is absolutely. very uncompromisingly one person's vision, right into like unrelentingly singular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, th- that is probably one of only a couple projects that I would even say is comparable to what's going on here. Yeah, and even then, I. Th- I think and it's not even of, like sonically yeah. it is not the same thing i just mean like ethos yeah. wise it feels like yeah. it's coming from a similar i mean place. We, we have a combination of prog and black metal but it's very different kinds of prog and very different kinds of black metal. exactly uh, and I, I think the only other band i can think of doing anything so this is uh did we talk about harry did we talk about skin tension before on, on the show uh, uh, that it is... kind of reminded me yes uh, we must have um I don't. It, yeah, it definitely wasn't a main album, but it might have been a shout out. I think we we, we shout out at some point uh, a record that is forgotten the name of it. Uh, but, um, yes, uh, that that record is fantastic and sort of it, it's one of the only times I've heard this kind of brutal, almost soil type prog being applied within uh, extreme metal. And I think again, th- this record is extremely distinct from that. Yeah, I, I, I think th- this record really takes more of the brutal prog influence, whereas that record is more on the, on the black metal side of things. Yeah, I also um, really, I really like how um, 
mechanical and rigid a lot of it sounds. Um, yeah. Very, very math core-esque in a, in a lot of that sense. Um, usually that's something that I would, I, I would critique, but it does have like a very distinct vibe to it in this case. Um, and then I wrote here, I didn't realize, uh, like I had never realized how much Serpent Column was an influence on this band before, because that's not a band I've, I've heard all that much of, but mm-hmm. I listened to them recently and then heard this album. And so immediately my first thought was, oh, the drums sound a lot like Serpent Column. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and I, I I think um I think maybe the the drums was maybe one of the weak parts of this record for me, and I totally get it because being a Walmart band, you're gonna have the drumming isn't gonna be great, and I, I just the the drum machine here just sounded a bit too clean. It's very the, prominent think, too. Yeah, the, the the double brace drum sections just felt very soulless. Uh, but other than that, I think it was it was produced very well. I think it, it, the way in which it's integrated with the mix generally was very good. I think just in certain sections where the drums were more prominent, as you were saying, it sort of irked me a little bit. And when you compare it to uh, to like Serpent Column Mirror in the Darkness, for example, you can almost barely hear the drums on that record because the it's so noisy and uh, um, the guitars are so dominant. Uh, but for what this record is going for, that wouldn't have worked, right? That Pedrachi style wouldn't have worked because this is going for something a lot more progressive, a lot more expensive, yeah. Uh, rather than just like the most dense, horrible thing you've ever heard. <laughs> uh, so, like, uh, yeah, it, 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 the obviously the parts of the percussion is, is going to be kind of fall victim to that. But I think. Other than that, I think maybe there are some parts where the the songwriting could feel a little more joined together. Uh, But other than that, for such a huge stylistic shift and a stylistic shift into something that nobody's really doing. Yeah, there's not really a uh, lot of places that they could be drawing from, so it's all kind of coming off the cuff. Yeah, this this is a strangely complete, cohesive record. It yeah, it almost sounds like a fully formed genre out of nowhere. And I think that is just a testament to how high quality this mm-hmm. album is. There's any uh, one other bit of instrumentation that I wasn't sure about that I wanted to I wanted to ask if you picked up on. But uh, at the very end of track six, as it's closing out, um, it goes into like a really sparse stringed instrument section uh, that mm. felt... Mm-hmm. Like it was leaning on some Chinese influence that I didn't recognize. And I was like, uh, I wonder if, if you picked up on that or if you knew what that was. But, um, yeah, absolutely. I, I, I didn't know specifically what it was, but what I heard that and I was like, I want to hear this integrated next record. Yeah. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> I want to hear, I want to hear like the next Hot Lights record be like, go like full WB4 through a record. Like, right. Yeah. 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 Cosmic Chinese drone. <laughs> well, well so, I was going to say, that, oh, oh. God, um, I was just going to say that, that that's the thing is like um, it's so rare that we get any sort of contemporary music out of China, uh, which sounds insane on the surface, um, given its it given its true. national power uh, or international power. But um, we really don't get much. Like uh, if you search for you know releases from China on the internet, there's like almost nothing out there. Well, and especially like mainland China. Yeah, like, yeah, there's yeah. a lot of for the amount of population and the amount of ground on our planet that covers it's the the percentage 
of music that comes out of there that makes it outside of the country is pretty dire. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I also like my, my biggest complaint almost is that there were places where it doesn't go far enough. Like I would love to hear more, yeah. more out there instrumentation and more. Um, I want it to fill these, fill the time with more, stuff that I've never heard because it's showing me a lot of stuff that I've never heard and it's leaving me wanting even more. Yeah. I mean, to, to, to me, at least I think this is, this, this record, I feel like almost shouldn't have been much more than a proof of concept. And the fact that it is more than that is really, the fact that it is so much more than that is, yeah, as you say, so impressive. Uh, and I, I think this, this style really has legs and I, I'm just really, really excited to see what Hot Lights does following this. I really hope, I really hope they stick with what, with a lot of the ideas that, uh, uh, that they were, uh, sort of playing with on this thing. I think, I mean, the reaction has been pretty fantastic. So I, I feel like that'll probably be the case. Uh, yeah, I, 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 as I say, I think just really, really excited and really happy for, uh, an artist that I think has, is really talented that hadn't quite shown what they were capable of to this point to, to deliver something as out there and uh, just almost groundbreaking as, as this record is. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh, yeah. Is that a good time to wrap up or does anyone want to uh, love it? Yeah, I think, I think it just, this is just showing that, uh, that Hoplites is even more kind of the, the black metal project to follow right now. Yeah. Um, yeah absolutely um, although you know going into upcoming releases uh theophanos does have an album out on friday so <laughs> yeah um uh, i mean i've got a, a yeah. couple to go through um, i've got a few as well uh yeah really excited for that uh there's the um i'm gonna steal the uh the vultures release um i don't <laughs> i don't expect to like it what i do expect is to be uh entertained by the discourse uh yeah I am very excited. There's new Prizes Rosa Rosa uh, album, which we talked about mm. in the albums of the year. There is um, a new Asian Glow album coming out. I think that's actually already oh, I out. I didn't know that. Uh, that I, I mean, I'm a massive fan of them, so looking forward to that. Uh, there's a Roxy Radcliffe album that came out a few days ago that I really am looking forward to checking out. Uh, Tech Linto had an a album that seemed to be incredibly popular with everyone I follow like two years ago, so we'll check that one out. And um, potentially the biggest exciting album or biggest uh disappointing album is probably gonna be idols tang uh ta- tank tank i can't tang. remember how you pronounce this i think i think it's just tank that's what's I, gonna i, that's I think what's it's gonna happen G. to it <laughs> that's what's gonna happen to its average rating on rate your music uh, yeah i mean i love <laughs> idols with all my heart brutalism is one of my favorite albums of all time just for, for you know very personal experiences with the album and i think crawler was like so much better than Ultramono um, when they, they sort of yeah. really pulled together their relationship with Kenny Beats and put something together that was uh, that was really great. So could be a banger. Uh, they are playing Money. one show in Bristol and it's sold out in three seconds. So I'm not going, I'm not getting to see them uh, play, unfortunately. <laughs> Damn. I, I have two that I'm excited for that you didn't mention. Um, the new Callie Malone album. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think yeah. I think it might have leaked. I'm seeing a lot of people listening to it now. Um I'm excited for that. And the the Chelsea Wolf on next Friday is also coming out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't usually listen to sort of pre-album singles, but I, I've been keeping up with the singles for that record. And I'm, I'm really excited for that one. I, 
it seems like she's going in like a real trip hop direction. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, to, to add on, there's a new spectral voice out soon. I'm very excited for see blood incantation adjacent death doom. And, uh, there's a new Fatboy Sharif collaboration with, uh, Roper Williams, uh, who's, I think one of the most interesting hip hop artists to be looking out for at the moment. Nice. Okay. Very, uh, right. very exciting yeah. stuff. Um, cool. On that note, I think we can close out, uh, as always join the discord look at the website uh i updated the website recently and i just need to put all the content on there again so, it looks uh, like a real website now it looks like it's not just uh some text on a page so that's good <laughs> that's good uh and uh yeah i think that is about it uh so yeah thanks for listening all right bye